Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. And boy, is it a special day here in the studio. Uh, from all reports and based on, I don't know if you guys can see this, but they got a welcome back uh, Uncle Jimmy little thing hanging up here behind him. I see Uncle Jimmy's glasses. And so from all reports, Uncle Jimmy is back in the house. Uh, he's back in the studio, and we're expecting him. He's got some kind of little special introduction or ceremony he wants to do uh, and welcoming him back into the studio. I, I can hear him breathing. So, uh, Uncle Jimmy, welcome back to the show. Happy Monday to you. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Jimmy coming back from COVID. Uh, dude, what, what are you wearing? And <laughs> what are you... What are you wearing and what, Jim, what, what is this? What the hell it look like, Jason? <laughs> it looks like uh, Bane from uh, Batman. Uh, yeah, what is it, Dark Knight Rises again? What? You're being a little extra precautious. <laughs> Jim, what that, that smells, what is that, Lysol? Yeah, it's called cleanliness, Jason. <laughs> it's called the thing that's next to godliness. Jim, welcome back to the show. But uh, in order to do it, you're going to have to uh, take that mask off. We're not. I, I get the hazmat suit. I get you want to be careful, but we'll let you wear a mask. But I don't think I'm going to let you wear a gas mask uh, on the show. Do you realize some of the gases that you be assumiating? <laughs> That I would do what? Do, do you realize? I mean, you joking about it, but this is actually uh, cost effective. <laughs> now that I think about it. Jim. What, Jason? Look, man, you had COVID. Okay. Have you had COVID? 99% of the people that get COVID recovered. Have you had COVID? You ain't special. Have you had COVID? No. Have you had a shot? That's none of your business. All right, then. I damn then. This ain't none of your business. Come on, man. Let's go to work. Jim. Oh, oh wait a minute. I guess you're going to tell me I need to get a shot before I come back to work. <laughs> no, no. I'm, look, man, you like everybody else re recovers from COVID. 99% of the people recover from COVID, and they don't wear a gas mask and a hazmat suit when they come back to work. You got antibodies now. You got your own immune system. You ain't got to worry about it's me. It's not my course. system I'm worried about, Jason. My system's fine. <laughs> I plan on keeping my system fine. Come on up. It's you it. and your high cholesterol and gravy that's bothering me. Come on up out of the suit, man. Bet I don't. <laughs> It'd be a trick to it. 
Self spirit of talent. They better be okay. I'll just see if I come back. Okay. Well, you think this is a game, boy? I done caught Corona one time. Now here you gonna set up a Oh Jim, go take the suit off. <laughs> okay. What happened to Jim, my friend? I sure hate to see him happy. <laughs> <laughs> you liable to catch an elbow from me. Jim, you're the healthiest person at the studio today. You got all the coronavirus antibodies. Why y'all in my personal business? Your immune man? system uh, can handle. <clears throat> Why y'all in my personal? Corona tries to jump on you again. If the Chinese virus tries to jump on you again, your immune system will handle it. <laughs> oh, you got your, is that your rainbow mask? Is that what you got on now? <laughs> Come on, man. Let's cut the jokes and let's talk uh, seriously about. Hey, man. It's good to have you back. Uh, you, man? Uh, it's good. See, you know, you know, we had to bring the uh, the Bible out to pray for you while you was gone. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I felt it. Let's go. We had, we had a lot of people praying for you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's go, man. I'm happy to be here. Let's go. No, no, seriously, though, I, I do want to. And listen, we got a great show planned for you. Uh, former Senator Jim DeMint's going to join us a little later in the show. Uh, we'll go out to uh, Chicago and talk with Greg Couch. He thinks that uh, Cam Newton shouldn't be the Patriots starting quarterback. We'll talk about all that. And Greg Couch is a smart man. Well, anyway, let's talk. Let's talk about you. And honest to goodness, uh, what did you learn from your COVID experience on a for real? I learned a lot during my COVID. Can, can, I, can I start off by just talking about what I, me just setting up? One of the things when you're going through COVID, you ain't got time to do nothing but sit up and watch TV. <laughs> you, I mean, you don't have to, you, you're either going to watch TV so or that's die. That's where you learn? You either watch TV or die. It's just two choices. <laughs> and so I'm just asking, I want to just start right there and just say, what have I learned? Let me tell you something I learned that you don't notice. Or maybe you don't notice. First of all, back in the day, and because you got time, you ain't got time to do nothing but think. And I'm sitting here thinking, first of all, do you know that the R. Kelly trial is going on? <sighs> don't breathe. Do you know that the R. Kelly trial is going on? I did not know that R. Kelly's on trial. I thought... He pled guilty or something. Wasn't he already locked up? The R. Kelly trial is currently, he's now being brought up. The trial is going on right now. Which made me realize, for you and I and our friendship, oh, my friend Jim, you and I have watched all of the great trials. O.J. Well. Ray Carruth. <laughs> right? <laughs> what was your boy's name? Van Better? Van, Van what was his name? The, the, the testimonials. <laughs> that, that was your buddy. Uh, anyway, and then let's not forget the Michael Jackson trial. Now, let me just say this to people. Y'all don't know this, but if you want to upset Jason, tell Jason that you think Michael Jackson is guilty and watch how very he will not play with you about that. Look, Michael Jackson's a blind spot for me, and I don't believe that Michael Jackson did those things. That he's, I just think he's a weird dude that had his childhood ripped from him. And he tried. Anyway, I'm not getting off into my defensive Michael Jackson. So you agree that you and I have I, we have a history of watching great trials and you, you will call me and say, Jim, what's happening in this trial? Yeah, right? I had no idea R. Kelly was even going on. See, and that goes to show how far you out of touch with your culture. See, because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm gonna, let, let me just tell it to you real quick. I'm going to sum it up for you. R. Kelly is about to get off like a white cop. You think R. Kelly is going to walk like a white cop? 
Jim, it, 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 people won't get that joke. And, and you can't. I can crack that joke. I worked in law enforcement. Okay. Now, <laughs> and let, me, let me just clarify. I, don't even I, just want, I just want to be clear just for our audience. And, I, and it's a perfectly fine joke that you just made. But again, I, we just last week, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Ashley Babbitt's murderer went on TV and basically bragged about killing her. And that was a black cop. I've yet to see Darren Wilson or any of these white cops go on TV and brag about killing Michael Brown or anybody. So, anyway, that's a two-way street. That's a two-way street. <laughs> okay. Black, white, whatever. He, 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 anyway, there you go. go I'm telling you, R. Kelly about to walk. Now, and let me just tell you why. You know what they charging this man with, Jason? Serious business? Sex trafficking. If you charge R. Kelly with sex trafficking, you better charge them girls' parents with sex trafficking. There's some truth there. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say about that. that. That's what I learned about this whole R. Kelly trial. Okay, I asked you the question: What did you learn from your COVID experience? I learned that if you send your kids to be with R. Kelly and think that ain't nothing gonna happen to them, it's like you sending your daughters to stay with Jason Whitlock and think that at some point or another she ain't gonna end up with barbecue sauce on some, on her, some <laughs> part of her body. Jim, Jim, you're talking about Jason from a long time ago, man. Don't, don't, anyway. (laughs) Jim. What? What did you learn during your, you personally, not what you picked up off TV, not what jokes to crack on me and embarrass me, man. Did you learn anything about yourself? About did you? Because one of the things I we've argued where where you basically said, in all seriousness, like you're never going outside again without a mask on. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I have that's not. That's your learn. That's what you learn. You don't care about the safety of others. I don't have a mask, Jim. You made me take mine off in order to be paid. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I don't have a mask. You think Jason, I got a problem with you? Jason, yeah. I, I'm telling you, ask me how I felt. Yep. I'm telling you, man. I ain't never felt more mask friendly a day in my life. I'm not pro-vax, but I'm definitely pro-mask. You do know, like, there's studies that say, you know, the masks are kind of irrelevant and ineffective. Okay, I understand what you said. And there's studies that say the vax is actually effective. So. You're pro the thing that the studies say is ineffective. You're anti the thing that the studies say is effective. Well, first of all, as far as the vax goes, you know, at nobody at no point at no time of me having corona offer me a shot. Well, it's too late. You don't get the shot on top of corona. At no point is ever, hey, when you get done, do you want the shot? (laughs) I kind of felt like, you know, hold up. I thought we were supposed to be... Promoting it, you I thought that they would promote it further, faster. Well, I'll just say this, Jim. What you may have run into some good doctors and good nurses, because what they may be saying is, you now have the antibodies, you don't need the shot. Maybe that's why they didn't recommend the shot to you. If you want to talk about doctors and nurses, if you want to talk about doctors, I was going to say this before. Um, now that I, what have I learned from COVID? I realized that during my bout with COVID, people treated me like I was Donald Trump. 
People ask me, about, oh, what did they give you? And I was very honest. I said, my doctor gave me a cocktail of drugs. Oh, did, did, you didn't get the shot? No. What did he give you? I, don't, I didn't care to talk about it. I didn't care to tell them. You got Lysol? Didn't do the Lysol. Oh, didn't. <laughs> All I say is, I've been running around through the streets of Nashville looking like a Clydesdale. <laughs> yeah, don't don't buy the hype on. Uh, well, again, I, I can't. I'm not gonna go into. There we go. Now you add, I, YouTube is very harsh on. <laughs> oh, uh, I didn't say a word. Did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, but, but you actually, know what? it works. But you know what? Let me tell you this. And, and seriously, because people act like this is such a big deal. Uh, taking an animal, some man, animals been around longer than man. Back in the day, the same person that delivered your kid was the same person that delivered your cow. Okay, so it don't act like we as men ain't been taking animal animal tranquilizers or animal drugs. Remember, you ever heard of Spanish fly? (laughs) You ever heard of Spanish fly? Isn't that like uh, an aphrodisiac? Look, my, my, my grandfather had a farm, gave our cow some Spanish fly. The cow serviced our cow, <laughs> jumped the fence and went and serviced the neighbor's cows. <laughs> I asked my grandpa, I said, man, what was that, grandpa? He said, I can't tell you, sir, but it take a, tastes a hell of a lot like peppermint. That's all I know. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. <sighs> you got anything else? I'm done asking you about what you've learned, because clearly you haven't learned anything. Do you have anything else? Can I finish my story that I was getting ready to tell you about my little things I watched on TV or you don't go want to ahead. skip no, that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go back to what you're watching on TV. Because I, my, my next one I think you're going to love because I think it's very, very, I think you're going to like it. Man, I watched a thing on TV that was called JFK and his women. I've seen that. I've never, I've seen it on uh, Amazon Prime. I've never clicked on it though. Okay. I watch a lot of JFK stuff, so this is my area. I've actually just been reading a book on JFK, the Kennedy family. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, let me just ask you this. In, as far as our people go, amongst black people, is JFK's on the Holy Trinity. I mean, every black family had that picture, John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, and Martin Luther King. Every black church had that fan with them three on, on, on that fan. I mean, so we know that they, that's the Holy Trinity, right? John F. Kennedy. Do you know what the F stands for in John F. Kennedy? Please don't say. Freaky. No. <laughs> John Freaky Kennedy. And his brother's name. You know that man's name was Robert F. Kennedy? Robert, he freaky too, Kennedy. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, we always heard about it. We laughed about it. Oh, well, you know, Kennedy had a blah, blah, blah. You need to look at this documentary, and you need to see how bad Kennedy and his perversions almost got our country in trouble. We sat up here and laughed about it. This man was getting women imported from Russia. This man was getting women imported from Germany. This man was getting women from the mafia. If you had, if you had, if Kennedy had a weakness, they knew where to fill it. Matter of fact, matter of fact, hold up. Can I please show the quick clip from it? Just so you can see, cause I need to get your take on this. Go ahead. The dangerous sexual liaisons of President John F. Kennedy. He's sleeping with a woman 
that's kind of come to him out of organized crime, mafia. Where sex was concerned, John F. Kennedy thought he was untouchable, invulnerable. Several of Kennedy's conquests were considered a risk to national security, but the president ignored the warnings. Mm. Sounds like Kennedy was Eric Swalwell before Eric Swalwell, you know? <laughs> Swalwell had the thing with the, uh, the Chinese agent or whatever, but, but on, on a, you should watch, <clears throat> if you like Kennedy documentaries, PBS did a whole long thing, uh, like seven, eight part deal on JFK documentary. And it, 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 JFK had a drug problem, a prescription drug problem. He had a lot of problems. And I was shocked watching this PBS, PBS, NPR, I think it was PBS documentary that painted a really, and not intentionally, they just let the facts kind of fall where they may, that paint a picture of Kennedy like, man, he was dangerous. And, I, and it almost made you go, oh, I see why the military industrial complex went after him. It, it <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I've seen some stuff on Kennedy and read a lot of stuff on the Kennedy family that, uh, you know, he's perhaps a little bit more celebrated than he should be. Um. But this all, when I watched this, and me, I, I thought to myself, what if Donald Trump had did this? <laughs> no, I'm sure he did, but I hear what you're saying. No, I, he, Donald ain't done no stuff like this. I mean, he done some dumbs. He done some old mess. Hey, when he wasn't president, you're right. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Right. Not, we're saying, talking about when he was in just, office, yeah, man. You're right, yep. He ain't done no mess like that, man. And if, I mean, we saw what they did to Donald. Could you imagine if Donald did what John F. Kennedy did? Imagine how great of a president we'd be talking about him being right now. <laughs> you do realize that John F. Kennedy makes Andrew Cuomo actually look like a politician, right? Now. <laughs> Anything else you picked oh, up? Oh, yeah. Real quick, real quick. Let's yeah. not forget this. Now, real quick, can I show this quote from Steph Curry? Have you seen what Steph Curry has said now? You saw this on TV or? I, thought, I think this is on Twitter. Steph Curry has now taken sides in this divorce. Oh, wow. I didn't know this. What is, what is he? Steph, Steph Curry, Curry has basically said that. Let me read this. A family friend of the Currys explained Steph has a special relationship with his mother, so he's supporting her. The insider added Steph's relationship with his father is strained. After this, he's disappointed that Dale would put all their family business out there, and he doesn't believe the accusations against his mother. <laughs> Your take? Sonia Curry is 55 years old. Two kids, four grandkids. Three kids. Three kids. She got a daughter. Two, two players in the NBA. Okay, three kids, two whatever. Yeah. You know what we call that down south, Jason? That's just called good eating. <laughs> That's all that is. They, Steph is sitting up here being mad to him. I can't believe my daddy did that. Oh, yeah? You think your daddy did this? Go ahead, show this video real quick. And, and, and I need to ask Steph. Steph, do you think your daddy did this? Huh? <laughs> you think your daddy did that? <laughs> Jason, she runs a Christian school. You know what that means? 
You know what that means? <laughs> it probably means she had a little too much to drink right there. I'm not going to tolerate any blasphemy of uh, Sonya Curry. You know, she has a special place in my heart. Sonya Curry. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Me and Sonya is right here. I'm telling you, the woman runs a Christian school. I like that. You know what that means, right? What? She's bringing back the wet T-shirt for Jesus contest. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else or... or... Do you know what the number one movie is going on right now? Right now? The number one movie in the country. You know what it is? Uh, One of your favorites is what? Candyman. That's what I thought. You like, no, or is it my cousin Josh? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Big Candyman fan. Yeah, you, you know, I, don't, I told you, I don't play the devil movies. Gotcha. I don't play it. And you know, the thing that makes this Candyman movie so great is. The number one movie, a horror movie, Candyman, is the number one movie in America right now. In America right now. And here, here's what makes it so great. You're going to love this. Uh, hey, do we have that clip? First of all, here, show Jason what I'm talking about. Because it's one thing if I say it, but show him. Hurry up. No clip. No clip. All right, listen. Here's what it is. The number one movie, but it's also directed by a black woman. Number one movie, directed by a black woman. They said today, ooh, black girl magic. They said, ain't no black girl magic. That ain't nothing but just black magic. Mm. Next thing, real quick, and I know you forgot this, because you did your little story while I was gone talking about Satanism. You got your guy, who's, who's getting ready to come up today that, that you had our guest that's talking about say this? What's his name? Jim DeMint, former Jim DeMint. Yeah. Okay, he's going to talk about, hey man, you do know who the new spokesperson for Taco Bell is. Oh, and I did know this one. Little Nasty X. Little Nasty X. Yeah. That's right, he's about to be the spokesperson for Taco Bell. Have you seen this new little, I mean, do you realize, let me say this, because I told you during, when Madden was going to come out, and they was talking about they was going to put a goat head on it. I told you, I said, man, I will not play Madden if they put that goat head on there. Hey, man, remember back in the day, we called Taco Bell Taco Hell. We used to call it that. But do you realize, hey, before I even say this, Chris, do we have that clip from 2017 of Taco Bell that people, Show that clip that Jason, 2017, nobody paid attention to this commercial at Taco Bell. They acting like, oh, this just happened. Go ahead, Chris. Hurry up. There's a powerful connection between the dollar and Taco Bell because it unlocks a world of 20 decadent menu items from breakfast to late night for just a dollar each. 20 items for a dollar. 20 steps on the pyramid. Who's really behind this? Is it the Illuminati or the Bell Illuminati? <laughs> Your comment, big bro? I'm, I was unaware. I missed that commercial uh, from a few years ago. But yeah, I, it makes sense. The little nasty X rated is now their spokesman. It's right in line. A great synergy with what they were already doing. So that's all you, you learned about R. Kelly. Candyman, Sonya Curry, Taco Bell, and what am I missing? And JFK during your coronavirus. If that doesn't run a gamut, I don't know what does. I figured you'd have some bigger revelations uh, during COVID. You sit around and contemplate your mortality and is this the big one, Elizabeth? I'm coming to see you. I'm coming to join you. Never, never done that until uh, I had that. Oil. Obstacle. 
protruding <laughs> from the... <laughs> all right. I think that's all we got from you for right now. For right now? Yeah, for right okay, now. Go ahead. We, we finally got our new grill last week. I don't know if you saw that, Jim. Uh, if yeah, you saw Friday's show, you saw the end results of my work cooking outside. The food our friends over at Good Ranchers sent to us was absolutely perfect for the new grill here at the studio. Their chili lime chicken breast was perfectly seasoned and delicious, and their steak options that we had on the grill were excellent as well. The T-Bone and New York Strip they sent over were just as good as anything I've ever had from any steakhouse. Good Ranchers provides 100% American farm-raised chicken, beef, and pork, individually sealed and packaged right to the safety and security of your door. If you subscribe, you will get $20 off and free express shipping. Get steakhouse quality for less than $5 per meal. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash fearless to get $20 off and free express shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com slash fearless. Welcome back. Time to talk a little NFL football. We're going to roll out to Chicago and Greg Couch, America's preeminent sports columnist, to talk about Cam Newton versus Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. Greg wrote a column today for the Blaze uh, that basically says Bill Belichick needs to move on from Cam Newton. He's done as a starting quarterback. Reports are that Cam's going to open the season as the starter. But, Greg, it sounds like you think that's a mistake. Yeah, it is. I mean, Cam's finished. You can tell, you know, he would he complete two of five passes for 10 yards on an interception the other day. I think he's got the wrong attitude. I think uh, things have been too easy for him for his whole career, and he's never had to learn the nuances of the game. Look, he's much bigger than the quarterbacks have usually been, and he's athletic, and he looks like a perfect prototype. But I think in the end, when you're so much better than everyone your whole life at every level, maybe you're not being pushed and not having to learn how to fight your way out of a jam. And, you know, Scott Zolak said the other day about how, well, he's, uh, you know, listening to rap and it's distracting him and he's dancing between passes. And, you know, Zolak got in trouble for that as a former Patriots quarterback. He got in trouble for that and seen as a racist thing and had to apologize for it. But I think he made a pretty good point. And the point was that, you know, Cam's just mind is wandering and, and not really focused. You have to be really focused on the details to be a quarterback. And there are different personalities that suit different sports and different positions in the sport. And I remembered when I was at the Olympics, I was just thinking about this a few minutes ago, when I was at the Olympics in, I believe, Beijing, and it was right before a relay, and Usain Bolt walks by some of these guys from Trinidad and Tobago underneath the stands. And he looks at him and he says, I hope you guys enjoy the looks of the bottom of my shoes when I run past you. And those guys said, oh, well, gosh, good luck to you because there's going to be millions of people walking, watching you and we hope that you don't drop the baton because that would really be humiliating if you did. And we wish you the best of luck. And these guys were just cocky, cocky you know, jerks to each other. That's the way that sport is. That's the way sprinting is. And after the race, Bolt won, of course. And those guys were hugging each other and everything. It was just that's a cool mentality. And I don't think that Cam has – I think Cam has the Usain Bolt mentality, which isn't really a quarterback's mentality, where you've got to zone in and focus on the, on the details. Yeah, I've said for the longest that Cam Newton is a Hall of Fame NFL player and one of the most celebrated players in NFL history if he played tight end. I think he'd be every bit as good as Rob Gronkowski. And I think he has – a similar personality as Rob Gronkowski. I think that 
You can have certain over-the-top celebratory personalities at different positions in the NFL. Quarterbacks, not one of those positions. And so, I, I, Greg, I remember when Cam first came into the league or even at the scouting combine and Peter King got in trouble for reporting, I think, that Cam said he wanted to be a global icon. And people debated at that time whether Peter King was wrong, are we making too much of, of Cam wanting to be a, this global icon and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and people were say, comparing him to Muhammad Ali or all this. And I was like, all of that's fine, except he plays quarterback. Yeah. And that's that mentality at quarterback is poisonous. And, and your point to uh, Cam uh, having too much talent, I, I say this all the time. I grew up with Jeff George. I believe Jeff George was born and had as much talent as any athlete I've ever seen. I put him right up there with LeBron James or anybody. And, and not that he could jump out of the gym or anything like this, but Jeff George played the quarterback position so easily. The game came so easily to him. Playing baseball so easy. Basketball so easy to him that when you have that kind of talent in second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, every time you show up, you're better than everybody else. It just doesn't make you concentrate on the details as much as Tom Brady, who showed up to his combine looking like a guy that wasn't even qualified to be a professional athlete. And every detail matters for Tom Brady. Joe Montana, a, a bit undersized, not the most athletic quarter. Every detail mattered to him, and that's what made, that's what made him great. And, and you pointed out, even Peyton Manning, not really the greatest athlete in, in ter- with enormous athletic ability, terrific quarterback, didn't even throw the prettiest ball. But his mental approach, his attention to detail made him great. And I think I agree with you. It actually undermined Cam when you, you just you just have too much talent. It, it, it's it's I think that's what doomed Cam Newton in terms of he, he had a high, but he could never stay at that level. And, and I just think, I tend to agree with you that his days as a starting quarterback are done. Yeah. You know, there's a famous quote, and I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt, but I could be wrong, where she says, you have to do the thing you think you cannot do. And is there anything that Cam doesn't think he can do or ever did feel that way when he was in high school or junior high school or even a little kid? He's just bigger than everyone. And if there's ever a problem on the field, well, just run, just take off. And you're not going to have to find your way out of the jam. You, you know, you look at like managers in baseball, the best managers in baseball are all the backup catchers. So the guys who only made it to the minor leagues, because those guys really have to study the game. They're looking at the field from the different position from the catcher and they have to understand each little nuance of the game to really see what's happening and get every last drop of themselves out of themselves so they can really have a shot at making it. And even if they don't make it because they don't have the skills. You know, that's what makes them a great manager because they understand the game so well. In fact, with baseball, you look at some of these famous players who have gone on to be managers in the past, Ted Williams, and these guys just did a terrible job. It was just too easy for them. They're like, hey, the ball's coming. You just swing and you hit it. That's that's all there is to it. <laughs> but it, but it's not. And you have to understand how to get out of a jam. You have to understand when there's people all over you and you can't run over them and you can't throw over them. What are you going to do? And I think Cam never had to learn those little details and nuances. I think that uh, 
reading your column this morning, one of the thoughts that crossed my mind was concern over the long haul for Lamar Jackson. And, and in turn, because I really like Lamar Jackson. I think a, a lot of people really like Lamar Jackson. But, but what's going to happen when he can't outrun everybody? And, yeah. and I happen to think Lamar is actually a more serious, detail-oriented quarterback than Cam Newton. But he still has always had that ability to fix problems with his feet. And the best quarterbacks in the NFL have fixed their problems primarily with their arm and with their head and with patience, with waiting that extra split second for a receiver to get open and then hitting them with incredible preparation uh, going into the game so they can anticipate problems. And I'm just sorry for Cam Newton, and, 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 and this is where my concern for Lamar, when the, as kids, when they're playing the position, they fixed every problem by running, and yeah. it, it's a habit that's hard to break. And, and I, I look, I'll give you another example because I want to remove it from even the race equation. Yeah. Tim Tebow, I felt like as a young person, he had so much talent to run the football, and he was so big and could run over people. That's why he never could develop as a passer. That's why his throwing motion was so horrible and was allowed to be so horrible because he could get away with it because at the University of Florida, and I'm sure in high school and junior high, he just ran around or over people, and so he never had to develop as a passer. And by the time he got to the NFL, they certainly couldn't fix those first 15 years of football that basically crippled him as a quarterback. Yeah, this is actually what happens in all the sports, to be honest with you. I mean, we talked about Serena Williams last week. You know, once you're not running as fast as you used to, you have to rely on your skills that you've learned. I mean, your, you know, your guile, your, your, your copability. And baseball pitchers who are throwing 100 miles an hour, when they start getting 35, 37 years old, that fastball is only going 93. So you can't just blow it past them. What are you going to do? You have to have learned something along the way. And maybe, I mean, Cam's only 32 years old. It'd be, it'd be nice to think that he might still have learned something, but I don't see it. I mean, you watched him in that game the other day. He's throwing balls. He's bouncing them. You know, he had a receiver. That interception he had looked like a fluke because the receiver looked like he caught the ball and the linebacker just grabbed it and took it out of his hands. But if Cam had noticed that it was a linebacker on his receiver, he might have thrown the ball up and let his receiver go get it instead of throw it at the back shoulder and let the linebacker get in, in position to get it. So... You know, where was his smarts on this? He should have understand, understood these things. So, I, you know, he, I don't, it doesn't look like he's learned a whole lot along the way. Just from what you just said, it was kind of given to him and he was just too great for his own good. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I'll say this. I want to, because I don't think you're, I, I want to clean up a little bit of what you're saying. I think anybody born with that much talent is going to make the exact same mistakes that Cam has made. People do what they have to do. And so if Larry Bird could jump like Michael Jordan, he would have played the game of NBA basketball completely different. If Magic Johnson could jump like Michael Jordan, he would have played the game different than uh, Kareem or any of his, Jamal Wilkes or whomever, the, the guys that had to do it. Kevin McHale had to have this incredible low post game uh, because he didn't have that, that, that great athletic ability or whatever. I, I think people 
do what they have to do to survive and and nothing more really and so what Tom Brady has done at the quarterback position what Russell Wilson does at the quarterback position because he's only five foot ten five foot eleven and he's not the most talented guy they have to figure out other ways to survive and thrive in the game and if Cam had a little less talent I, I'll give you another one it was referenced in your column Bill Russell he played the game different than Wilt Chamberlain Wilt Chamberlain had every physical talent man could have incredible athleticism incredible size uh, nimble feet a- a- everything you could have a buffet and and Bill Russell had a lot but he didn't have what Wilt had and so he played the game completely different than Wilt he played a smarter brand of basketball and that foiled Wilt Chamberlain a lot of the time I, I mean I agree to, you know, 99% of what you're saying, but the 1% is, I mean, some people have all the ability in the world and they learn all the details and the nuances. I mean, Michael Jordan or, you know, Roger Federer. I mean, I'm trying to think of different sports here. Serena Williams, I just mentioned, um, you know, certain baseball players who are the, you know, I, I don't think it's just if you have all the skills and the tools, you're going to automatically drop off from learning the details. I mean, I do think there's that, there's that, you know, tendency to feel to have, be taught that way when your parents are saying all you have to do is get this extra six yards so just run over the kids and don't figure out the little details but uh, I don't think that's necessarily true of everyone I mean some, some of the greatest of all time had all the ability and all the smarts together I'm not going to reduce it to smarts I'm going to reduce it to self-awareness <laughs> and and I do think some of the greats had the self-awareness. Michael Jordan keeps getting beat up by the Detroit Pistons. They beat some self-awareness into his head. Uh, you know, facing Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics, they beat some self-awareness into, his, into Michael Jordan's head. And so that's what I – and Cam Newton runs all the way to the MVP, gets to the Super Bowl. He thinks, you know, the world's always going to be his oyster. And, and no one ever early in his career beat the self-awareness into his head that would have been necessary for him to be a Hall of Fame player. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I do agree with you that uh, very quickly, if not in week one, Bill Belichick's going to say, you know what, let's go with this rookie quarterback. Cam's going to be our backup. Our players like Cam. He's been a positive force in the locker room. But and, and he's a good safety valve and maybe use him in the red zone to run in some some scores or whatever. But he's nobody starting quarterback. Greg, we got to go. We got to keep it moving. Jim Demence around the corner. So I just found out that our friends over at Built Bar have some new flavors to choose from. They've just launched. Can't wait. Peanut butter brownie and raspberry cheesecake. If these two new flavors are just as good as the ones we've been trying around our office, I'm sure they will be favorites around here as well. All of these great flavors are low in calories, protein, and sugars. I've told you all that these bars have become a part of my daily routine over the last few weeks after dealing with the situation with Uncle Jimmy. Each bar is full of great taste and flavor that will make you wonder why you haven't tried them before. But don't just take my word for it. Try them for yourself. Go to Built.com and use promo code FEARLESS to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code FEARLESS for 15% off at Built.com. All right, welcome back to Fearless. We're going to roll out to Washington, D.C. and welcome in 
former South Carolina Senator Jim DeMint. He's a uh, chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute and author of a novel called Satan's Dare. Uh, Jim, welcome to the program. I, I was told that this was Jim DeMint, and, and I was told, you know, Jim's supposed to be 70. I think they, Jim, is this your, are you, are you Jim's son sitting in for Jim? Uh, no yeah. way this guy looking at me is 70 years old. Uh, Jim's son, I think, is here. Jim, uh, yeah. Jim Jr., welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jason. I, I really am excited about being on your show. You're, you're so courageous. You hold nothing back. And it's very refreshing to hear people willing to talk about the truth or whatever comes to their mind. Jim, I certainly do that. And that's why this show is called Fearless. And you've written a pretty fearless novel, Satan's Dare, that in a fictional way gets at a lot of the issues uh, that I'm trying to talk about and believe in. Explain, you know, the intent and the narrative, the, the narrative arc of Satan's Dare. What are you trying to get across? Well, well Jason, thanks for letting me talk about it because I realize that most of what we do here in Washington is just treating symptoms and we don't talk about the real causes of our problems. And um, the real cause is a um, lo loss of truth. And uh, you know the Bible pretty well. Jesus tells us if we want to be free, we need to know the truth. And if we want to know the truth, that comes from his word. And I've just seen over so many years of being involved in politics that Christians are afraid to stand up and speak out because they really don't have any confidence in what they believe. We're not defending the truth of the Bible anymore. But Satan's Dare is a love story about Christians going through tragedy and suffering and asking all kinds of questions about creation, about God, about the truth of the Bible, about science. I think any Christian that reads it will have their faith confirmed uh, because they hear debate from both sides, from atheists, and it's all wrapped up in a story that I think people can relate to because we all go through uh, all kinds of tr struggles in our life. And the, the title Satan's Dare, Jason, is taken from the first chapter of Job where Satan dares God to remove the blessings of Job, and I think in, in our case, all of God's children. And he says, if you remove their blessings, they'll curse you. And every time that we stay faithful, that we stand up for what we believe, uh, we prove Satan wrong. And so I think any Christian that reads this will have their faith confirmed, but I really want skeptics to read it because I don't think any skeptic could read this book without coming away and asking more serious questions himself. Um, but Jason, all this relates to politics because if we lose truth, uh, we, we don't have anything else to appeal to. And that's what I see in America today is the death of truth. Jim, I'm right there with you. And I don't think anything over the last 20 years or really in my lifetime, and I've been I've been around, you know, I, I just turned 25 last week, Jim. I don't know if you know that, uh, but, <laughs> but I've been around for a long time. Uh, not quite as long as you, but a long time. And nothing has damaged truth more than social media, in my opinion, mm -hmm. than yeah. Twitter and Facebook uh, and Instagram to a lesser degree, but really Twitter has been an assault on the truth. And yeah. they've silenced people and, and put fear 
Twitter's the most secular place, I believe, on the planet. If you espouse Christian values, love of Jesus, you're penalized over Twitter. And it has so much control over broadcasters, the media, and politicians. Everyone's afraid to speak the truth because, oh, how's it going to be interpreted on Twitter? I just think big tech is the enemy of truth. Well, there's there's no question about it. Uh, I think I would have said 15 years ago that that uh, this internet was a new frontier of freedom because it allowed people to s speak out. It was kind of a democracy on on the air. They could say what they wanted. But as but as you're you're pointing out, the more power they've gotten, the more they screen out um, what people really want to talk about. And and I think through shame and intimidation, they're shaping what everyone believes. And this is what I, I just see America declining and truth declining because the Christian church is declining and afraid to stand up and speak truth. And all of that begins with the knowledge of God, a biblical truth. And uh, it's just time we, we stop being afraid to talk about politics and truth in the same sentence. Because the reason we're in so much trouble today and the reason that we're being lied to on every front, whether it's Afghanistan or, or COVID or the border or, or just about anything, is that we're not standing up and demanding that people tell us the truth. Jim, I, I, again, I'm going to go back at big tech and I, I, you know, at some point I'm going to get Josh Hawley uh, to come on the show because I've known Josh since he was a little kid playing high school football at Rockhurst in Kansas City. And so I, I hate to ask a former senator first, but why can't our, our lawmakers put some constraints on big tech and, and break them up the way we did Ma Bell? Yeah, it's a great, a great question, and actually it's something that we work on a lot here at the Conservative Partnership. Rachel Bovard, who is here, is, has, has been having meetings constantly for the last year with members of Congress, with senators, about how we can shape legislation that would uh, either break up big tech or make them more accountable. The, the problem we have, Jason, as, as you know, is when there are monopolies or oligopolies like we have with Twitter and Facebook and, and all of these others, the market doesn't work anymore. There's not enough competition to, for people just to switch back and forth. And because the, for, for the internet, for Facebook and all of these to work, they have to have a global audience in a sense, and it's hard for competitors to break into that. But there are a lot of things we can do. You hear people talk about getting rid of Section 230 that absolves these big tech companies from liability. That means you could sue them if, if they censor you. Uh, you can do that to any other media. So there's some things we, we can do, but I, I, I'm, it, I'm always afraid when government is trying to solve a problem uh, and through legislation or regulation, because all Oftentimes, there are unintended consequences. So we really need to think this through. But you're right. We can't have a free society unless people know the truth. They know the facts about elections. And we know all through Trump's term, he was lied about. Uh, he, you know, he impeached about things that weren't true, that most people up here knew weren't true. And a lot of that goes back to big tech, just as you said, is they would not allow the truth 
to go through. They would not even allow both sides to be presented. And that's the problem. We don't need Twitter to to tell our side. Uh, we just need to, for them to allow a free flow of conversation where all sides could be discussed. And that's not happening. And we need to fix it if we expect to be free as a country. Jim, because you're out in D.C. and because you know, of your former job as a lawmaker and, and who you engage with. I, I, I want to get a little bit preachy just because I want you to know this, and maybe you already do know it, but I was at a church uh, yesterday, a friend of mine's church, he's the minister there, and, and really smart guy, and they had a terrific sermon yesterday, and they were talking about uh, the normalization of behaviors that are directly in objection to what we're taught in the Bible. And so right. after the sermon, I, I went up to him and, and tried to, and wanted to explain and just wanted to share a bit of wisdom and insight. And he was very receptive, but I, I wanted from your perspective, from a lawmaker's perspective, your, your, I've been trying to explain to people that what's happened to the left, and particularly as it relates to the media, is that the left used to cater to New York liberals. And that's a classic liberals. And the media used to all be about New York, New York, New York. And what I've been trying to explain to people is like, now the media caters to Silicon Valley and San Francisco. And that's a mm -hmm. different form of liberal. And I was yeah. sharing with this minister, and this is something, this very smart guy, older than me, he didn't realize, I was like, hey look man, Go look at the history of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. It was virtually, it was nothing until the gold rush. And then the gold rush happened in 1848 and men descended upon that area of Northern California in great numbers. They left their wives at home and it became, I think they said San Francisco at one point was 90% men. And that's where the whole LGBT thing was birthed. And why, the gold rush, the greed of the gold rush. And, and so I'm just, Silicon Valley, Northern California liberals are completely different than New York liberals. And we're now dealing with Silicon Valley liberals. And that's why I think, I just think it's a completely different battle, and that's why American culture is changing so quickly, because Silicon Valley is actually dictating to the media its agenda. Well, you're, you're exactly right. And not only does California have all the woke behavior, they've got big tech there to send out that message, and, and they're the most powerful voice in, in the world right now. And so it's disturbing. I, we need more pastors to talk about these issues because many of them are afraid they'll lose their congregation if they actually talk, talk about what the Bible says about the different behaviors now that are being considered not only normal, but right. But as Americans in a free society, I mean, I feel like if people want to believe those things are right, that's their business. But when they start saying that we can no longer believe they're wrong, that we cannot believe the things in the Bible and talk about them in public or even in church, if those things are called hate speech, which we've seen with people being uh, taken to court, their businesses ruined because they don't want to participate in these things that the Bible says are wrong, uh, that's what we've got to fight for, is the freedom to believe things are, are wrong or right. And even if the left wants 
adults to have their own kind of behavior. Uh, we've, we've got to have that type of freedom in America right now, but we don't because if, if, if even pastors stand up and, and start saying things are wrong, some of them are going to end up accused of hate speech. And that's already happened in some places, um, at least outside of America. Jim, when you were in Congress, you were kind of opposed to intervention. I want your thoughts on what we're seeing right now in Afghanistan and how the Biden administration's handling it. Well, America needs to know that I think everyone in Washington here has known for a long time that the Afghan army would disintegrate as soon as they knew America wasn't going to be there to back them up and pay their salaries. I think we learned probably 15 years ago that there was no way to piece together Afghanistan as a nation the way we think about it. People are just not loyal to it. They're loyal to their family, tribe, region. And the only thing, the only unifying force they have there is, is Islam, which the Taliban has and we don't. So there was no way that we, no matter how much we invested, if, that we could keep that and build it as a country. It's a foolish notion. But Trump had a plan to get out in a way that was good for America that I'm sure he would have accomplished where he gets our people out first, our equipment out, destroys any assets we leave on the ground. And he would have made sure that the Taliban were not uh, attacking the airport before we, we got off the ground. But the way this was handled was such a horrible thing, uh, particularly for those people who lost their lives and their families, the sacrifice. So many Americans are maimed today because of being in Afghanistan. And I just think we just showed complete disrespect and disregard for the huge sacrifice we made by what, what it, we've allowed to happen there and to be running like, like scared ch rabbits trying to escape is it, so humiliating for our country. So I think this is one of the worst foreign policy disasters we've had as a nation. And the implications are going to be all the way from likely weakening or destroying NATO uh, to emboldening China. Iran um, and a, a number of other countries like Russia around the world, none of them are going to believe that Joe Biden is going to stand up and, and stand behind what he says. Hey, would you elaborate quickly on your point that you think this is going to lead to potential destruction of NATO? Why, why do you say that? Well, it's um, perhaps I'm, I'm getting a little bit too cynical here, but Afghanistan was a, a, a NATO mission and, and the United States talked a lot of these countries into coming in and fighting with us. Uh, and many soldiers from all around the world have been killed and maimed in Afghanistan, just like our own. And the way we left which was a humiliation not only to our country, but to the mission of NATO there, that we that NATO was uh, humiliated uh, by the Taliban and by the folks who support them in Pakistan and, and probably other places around the world. But uh, this, I can't imagine if Biden were to ask NATO today to help us with another mission that you would see many volunteers. I want to end on, on asking you this, no, you, you, it sounds like, perhaps, and you clarify, have your position on Trump changed? I believe in 2019, you seem convinced he's not the future of the Republican Party. Do you still believe that or have you changed? 
Well, uh, and the context there was uh, no one my age or his is likely to be the future for very long. Uh, but the, his idea, again, is more important in the sense that let's put our country first. The people we elect in Congress and as president are there to do what's best for the American people first. And, and that should not have been hard to figure out. But I think Trump has done more with that idea to help us refocus what it is we want our public officials to do. Uh, but I hope Trump will stay involved. He's got a lot of influence and he's one of the few people who's had the courage to stand up and fight against the swamp. That's why everybody in the swamp seemed to want to get rid of him, including a lot of Republicans. Uh, but he's still active. His endorsement is one of the most cherished in the country by Republicans. And, and I hope he stays involved. But more than anything else, uh, what a lot of us are working on is taking this idea of, of an American movement and building on it, because that is what conservatives are trying to conserve, is all of those things that make America great, the values that we cherish here in this country, and our history as well. Uh, so I, I'm excited about the future, but only if we can get Americans engaged in seeing the great divide that has occurred in this country. The left, as you said, uh, has gone completely crazy, San Francisco crazy, and now they're selling it to us through Silicon Valley, and we just need more pastors, uh, Christians, and Americans with common sense to stand up with courage and be fearless like you have been and tell the truth. I'm gonna ask one more question, Jim. I don't need a long answer. In 2024, who would you rather see as the Republican nominee Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? Uh, it's, a t it's a tough question I, because uh, for Trump's own benefit, they already have his number. They know everything that they're going to go after him again. They'll tell the same lies again. I almost don't want him and Melania's family to have to go through that. But I can tell you this, if Trump announces he's going to run, I'm going to be first in line to support him. But I think a whole lot of Ron DeSantis, he's also shown a lot of courage. I've worked with him here when he was in Congress. And so certainly he's going to play a role for a long time. I think he is the future of, of the Republican Party. Mr. DeMint, thank you so much for, the time, for your time. I gotta tell you, you did a great job with a guy named Gaston Mooney, president of our company. <laughs> He's one of the greatest human beings. I know I say that in all seriousness. If you had any influence on him at all, you should be very proud. I am very proud. He was, he was a great staffer, and now he's kind of like my boss and yours. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Stay tuned. Go to YouTube.com uh, slash Jason Whitlock. Uncle Jimmy and I will have an approval rating on Cam Newton and a special, and you don't want to miss this, we're going to end today's show with a fire starter. All that and more. Next! All right, welcome back. The approval rating is back because sir. Uncle Jimmy's back. Yes, sir. Ah, uh, I think we've only done one of these. Oh, I think we did one when uh, Jay Flake, the comedian, sat in for you. I think we did an approval rating on you. We did switch these chairs around, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, we, we flipped the chairs around. We don't want you sitting in, uh, in Jay Flake. 
Uh, what, what, Big Kenfolk, I think was his, his nickname. Uh, anyway, today's uh, I you approval rating. Chocolate. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> today's approval rating is on uh, New England Patriots quarterback Cam Newton, who Greg Couch and I had a discussion about, and his career or as a starting quarterback in the NFL being virtually over. That he'll start the season perhaps ceremonially for the Patriots, but it won't be long. Cam's done, and so. Uh, Based off of yesterday's performance and his preseason performance, uh, as it relates to job performance, and if you remember, everybody gets rated on a scale of 0 to 25. There's four different categories, job performance, character, authenticity, it factor. We add the four scores up to give you an approval rating score. And so uh, job performance for Cam, last time we did him, I had him at a 10, Uncle Jimmy. Uh, I got him down to a 7 at this point. Job performance, not good. I give him a 5. Last time I gave him a five, and this time I gave yeah. him a So five. you predicted he would be this bad, basically, and so there's no reason for you to change. Yeah, pretty much. All right. <laughs> uh, as it relates to character, I had him at a 17. I've now dropped him to a 14, and that's because of the uh, COVID uh, protocol mistakes, misunderstanding or whatever that cost Cam five games, uh, five days of practice. Uh, so I dropped his character to a 14. I originally had his character at a 25. Perfect. Yeah, you said he played the character perfectly. He played that character, but I don't know if y'all noticed this or not, man. Cam done cut his hair. Oh, he has? I don't know if you know. Chris, do we have that picture? Cam done cut his hair, man. He ain't, he, you know how you cut, you get old, you cut your hair, yeah. and you don't want to act like you done cut your hair? Yeah, Cam done cut his braids off a little bit. Cam ain't about that oh. life, no. He knows the end is near. Oh, boy, if I had known he cut his hair, I might have gone up on character. Uh, authenticity, uh, I'm not changing much. Uh, I go from a 16 to just down to a 15. I thought Cam was about that life. I mean, remember the video of him when he was about to touch up the little kid, right? <laughs> I thought he was about that life, man. Uh, Cam, I'd take him from a 24 to a 17, man. Mm, mm. You, you, you know, he's mad at the new little quarterback, Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Yeah, Matt Jones. He's yeah. mad at him because he's like, Cam was trying to give him some pointers, and he's like, thank you very much, Mr. Newton. <laughs> <laughs> he's losing his authenticity, man. All right, it factor... I had been pretty high on Cam's it factor. Backup quarterback, I drop it all the way down to an 18. Probably should have dropped it even lower. Uh, I've got his it factor at 18. I gave him a 10 then, and I'm going to give him a 10 again. Well, we both actually dropped him 12 points total. Uh, I've got him... We both got him at candlelit 54. I got him at a 54. You got him at a 52. He's very close to being a dumpster fire. Very close. He loses his starting job. I think we'll consider him a dumpster fire. I, I, think, I think it'll be very apropos. All right. Uncle Jimmy, if, you know what? If I had been prepared for your return, I would have brought you a gift. I should have brought you a gift. But? Maybe, maybe tomorrow. But, I mean, what about you? ain't got none of them stocks and bonds that you... That, that I you... think we got some, uh, some wine here. Uh, from, you know, one of our new sponsors. Maybe I'll give you some wine, but you don't drink. Exactly. Um, maybe your kids. Maybe your kids will enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. Don't go anywhere. Because I got a fire starter that's going to be a fire ender today. A fire Hear ender? It? No, fire ender. Okay. Let me do this. I'm sorry. Don't interrupt me. Let me get comfortable here. Bearded conservative talk show host, 
Bill Maher, he did it again. He turned his Friday night HBO platform, Real Time with Bill Maher, into a smorgasbord of left-wing ridicule. He ended his show trashing the woke, arguing that the events in Afghanistan are an example of what real systemic oppression looks like. Earlier in the broadcast, he lamented the success of Fox News host Greg Gutfeld's comedic late-night show, suggesting the left had opened itself to satire by adopting talking points that sound like onion headlines. Take a listen to Bill Maher talking about Gutfeld and the left opening itself up to criticism. This is why there is an opening for conservative comedy. Because, you know, when you, when you tear down statues of Abraham Lincoln in the land of Lincoln, land of Lincoln cancels Lincoln, it's an onion headline. You know, three-year-olds pick their own gender is an onion headline. You know, a lot of this stuff that goes on on the left now, it's, you know, Seattle votes to decriminalize crime. <laughs> now, the problem is that they don't know how to do comedy. But if they found someone who did, they could. Because I do it more here than I used to. Because comedy goes where the funny is. And there is funny on the left now, as well as the right. In a fascinating moment of unintended irony, Mar later in the show griped that politics was becoming a new religion and that America would be better off if we talked less about politics. You gotta remember, Marr is an atheist. In 2008, he released a documentary, Religious, that mocked religious faith. He's unwittingly becoming aware that removal of religion from American culture creates a void that is filled by the idolatry of partisan politics. I'd love to be in the room when Marr finally realizes that unity among disparate humans can only be achieved through faith in God. I believe he'll have that epiphany within the next 12 months. He's too honest to remain in denial. An honest man can only pretend to be a liberal Democrat for so long, and television is an uncomfortable platform for the last honest man. Each week, Mars sounds more and more like a short-time HBO employee. Nothing breeds honesty more than an expiration date and honest people can't work forever within corporate media. The restraints are just too tight. Bill Maher is his generation's George Carlin, the pot-smoking culture critic who performed regular stand-up specials for HBO during the 1970s and 80s. Like Carlin, Maher is as smart as he is funny. Unlike Carlin, Maher is too smart for the current iteration of HBO a subsidiary of globalist te telecommunications company, AT&T, since 2016. When Mara arrived at HBO in 2003, the network was at its creative and risk-taking zenith. At the time of Mara's arrival, The Sopranos and The Wire made HBO the envy of television. AT&T's acquisition of HBO dulled the network's edge. HBO is safe and corporate. It supports the social engineering the establishment is orchestrating. Mars is doing the best he can, but you can't tell the truth on HBO. Not the whole truth. Friday night was a prime example. While complaining about the Biden administration's catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, 
Maher expressed disappointment that the adults, Democrats, handled the pullout as poorly as he theorized the children, Republicans, would. This is becoming a regular theme for Maher. He argues that Democrats are mature, rational, and thinking adults, and Republicans are immature, emotional, and unsophisticated children. Mars too wise to believe any of this. Thomas Jefferson and the nation's founders identified America's children at the outset. Politicians are the kids, whether Federalist or Anti-Federalist, whether Democrat or Republican. Jefferson, George Washington, and the rest recognized the childishness of politics and politicians. The founders devised a system designed for the people to supervise the children elected to public office. The adults assigned the primary task of babysitting politicians. They're called journalists, reporters, pundits, the media, and the press. When the adults act like children, chaos and tyranny take root. When there is no credible supervision of politicians, the entire idea of self-government falls apart. In 1787, Jefferson wrote a letter to Edward Carrington, a confidant of George Washington, stating the importance of journalism. Jefferson wrote, the people are the only censors of their governors, and even their errors will tend to keep these to the true principles of their institution. The way to prevent these irregular interpositions of the people is to give them full information of their affairs through the channel of public papers and to contrive that those papers should penetrate the whole mass of people. The basis of our government's being the opinion of the people, the very first object should be to keep that right and were it left to me to decide whether we should have a government without newspapers or newspapers without a government, I should not hesitate a moment to prefer the latter. The media, they have failed America. The mainstream media merged with global corporations, the Democratic Party, and government intelligence agencies. It no longer acts as an independent fourth estate in charge of supervising the legislative, executive, and judicial branches of government. Corporate media, they supervise Donald Trump and anyone else classified as an impediment to the Great Reset and the reshaping of America into an authoritarian regime similar to China. From his $10 million a year HBO AT&T perch, Mark cannot comfortably attack corporate media, the real children selling out America. He can insinuate the stupidity and dishonesty of the New York Times' 1619 project, but a full-on assault of the woke's Pravda would be a suicide mission. It would bait Me Too allegations. The woke culture that Marr constantly rails against would not exist if the alleged adults did their job. The Times, CNN, MSNBC, Politico, ESPN, CBS News, The Washington Post, they all serve woke trick bait for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Marr thinks American oppression pales in comparison to Afghanistan oppression. He's right. But for how long? 
We're trending in the oppressive direction of all nations that govern without proper supervision of its elected officials. Power corrupts. There are no good guys in politics, only children in need of spankings by the press. When the media refuses to discipline politicians, oppress and revoke freedoms. You must wear a mask. You must take a vaccine. You must tolerate violations of privacy for your own safety. It's all a slippery slope. Things change quickly. One day, the people shouting, I'm with her and believe all women and Sharia law is misogynistic. Those people turn into the same people defending the execution of an unarmed five foot two, 135 pound woman for posing a threat to the House of Representatives. We'll see you tomorrow. Freedom.